Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. First off, I want to apologize for missing on Friday. Guys, we had a massive snowstorm here in Oregon. I couldn't get into the studio. I'll tell you what, Ethan and I did everything possible. We love the snowstorm. I'm in for a complete disaster. The roads were closed. The gentleman that owns the building didn't even unlock it. We got here to shut out doors. But I'm going to promise you one thing. I'm going to bring you up to speed and I'm going to do it all today. Because coming up, Drickus Duplissy is the new world champion. What's he going to do next? Plus, I'm going to give Sean Strickland a little brotherly advice. And I also got a theory about UFC 300 that involves Conor McGregor. I'm going to get to all of that very soon. But first, I want to react to what we all just saw on Saturday night. Sean Strickland, Duplessis. Guys, what did I see? What did I see? Because I didn't see what you saw. I think I've had more enjoyment for this match after the match than any fight that I can recall in recent memory. One large exception, which is Fury versus Ngannou. Fury versus Ngano is the only sporting event, forget fight, only sporting event of my lifetime, to be discussed more and celebrated more and talked about more and to bring out passion more after it was done than before it happened. And what did I see here with Duplessis and Strickland? So I don't hide my bias. I try to be impartial over here. I'm a human being. So when I have a bias, I disclose it to you guys. I disclose it and then I still try to be impartial. So I'm cheering for Sean, right? But but I mean, Sean and Colby, like those are my guys. It's different, right? I mean, it's, it's different. My hands get, you know, my, I get a knot in my stomach. It's different. So... We lost every round. We lost every round of the fight. 
And there was even a hope spot. And the hope spot came in the form of commentary from Dominic Cruz. And Dominic Cruz was quickly dismissed by John Anik, who was right to dismiss him. But what, John, what, what, what Dominic said was, hey, guys, don't forget, this is damage. Yes, Duplessis is pressuring him. Yes, Duplessis is picking what range they fight in. He's the only one wrestling tonight. Yes, Duplessis is touching him more with hands and feet, but that's not the criteria. The criteria is damage. I added a lot to Dominic's words there. He said, if you look at the damage, I think that Strickland's winning the fight. So that was what we call a hope spot. That's where me as if I get a little bit of hope going, but then John corrected Dom with exactly how I would have corrected Dom if I was there to say, hey, that's not within the rules. Like that, that isn't, that isn't solely how it works when you're looking at a 10-9 must system. Now that can get a little bit more complicated, but let, let me just leave it right there. End of the fight comes. And the fifth round, I give to Strickland. Now, make sure you understand this. When I say I give to Strickland, I am making a prediction for what I believe the judges are going to do. Anytime I give you a prediction on a fight, like in between rounds, I go live on YouTube, things like this. If you're ever watching me, I'm not scoring it with Chael Sonnen scorecards. I am scoring what I believe the judges are going to do. And I follow the judges, right? Like you guys want to know what a Sal D'Amato is. I could tell you some of the most big, massive fights that Sal D'Amato does. But like if you have access to judges and Sal is there, you put him on the main event. Like this is a guy you can really trust. I'm just sharing with you. He's a human being and I have followed him. I follow movies. So before I ever go to a movie, I can look at who the director is and have a good frame of reference for the way he's going to do certain scenes. I tell you that because when I tell you that Strickland won the fifth round, I'm not positive he did. It was very close. He, he, it was his best round. I'm not positive. I, I'm, I don't think he did, but he might have. But I was very confident in telling you, and I did do a YouTube live I'm sharing. I was very confident in telling you that the judges would give him the fifth round. Because the way that works, when Duplessis has won the first four, the math and the outcome is the same regardless of who wins the fifth. So as a judge, they will generally go in the opposite direction because it won't infect, affect or impact the fight at all. Now that also is not within the rules. I'm letting you know that when I study those three judges, this is what they generally do, which is why in my YouTube live I told you Strickland won the fifth round. I don't know that I believe that he did. I'd have to watch, I'd have to rewatch it, but in my heart, I think it was 5-0. With a real biasness to Strickland, with an upset stand, sweaty palms, it was 5-0 and an absolute best case 4-0. And I think that the crowd, for the most part, agreed with me. Right? The live audience is a, is a tremendous microcosm. That is a tremendous focus group for how the rest of the world is feeling. They're educated and they're hardcore, and even if they're drunk and it's the end of the night, that's the one that they came for. They paid attention. They're enveloped and invested. And it seemed like they had no problem with the scores. I was stunned when it was a split decision. And I'm not like most guys, oh, come on, I just want a good, fair adjudication. I don't. I want my guy to win. I don't care if it's by hook or crook. I, I, I don't mind that at all. So if we're going to steal one from Duplessis and hang our hat on what Dominic Cruz said that, hey, this is about damage. And even though we got outworked, out pressure, backed up the entire time, didn't control where the fight happened, even though we did that, we busted your face up more than you busted ours. I'm in. I'm in. I'll drink to that. Let's move on 
with our day. So when one came in for Strickland, I was really surprised. Now, my bigger surprise was when all is said and done, Joe Rogan, who definitely qualifies as an expert in the space. Dana White, who definitely qualifies as an expert in the space. Both had Strickland. They both had Strickland. I thought, gosh, did we watch the same thing? And Joe Rogan and Dana are very interesting. You want to know why I chose them? Not just because of names you would know. I chose Rogan and Dana because they had one thing in common. One thing different than me. I heard the commentary and they didn't. And I'm just wondering if I got influenced. I'm wondering. I didn't feel that. I didn't feel influenced. Like, I'm not making this up to tell you that Du Plus E is the one that pressured him. The commentaries never said that. I saw that happen. I wasn't influenced that, that 100% of the wrestling was done and controlled by Du Plus e. All of the ground and pound and all of the ground work. Any attempts for advancement on the ground. Anything that has to do with the ground was done by Du Plus e. I wasn't influenced. Duplessis was the one walking him down, stalking him, cutting the cage off. Duplessis landed more punches, more kicks. I wasn't influenced by any of those things. Verbally, it's what I saw with my eyes. But there is a subconscious level. Am I right? Am I right that I wasn't influenced? Joe Rogan and Dana White were, and they weren't, and they weren't hedging, by the way. They weren't going, ah, you know, I could see the other way, ah, him and Han and him and, you know, guys like that. They weren't like that. They said, this is a surprise. That's not what I thought I saw. And what they thought they saw isn't at all what I experienced. That was five rounds to none. And I knew they would give him the last round. I'll give you a great example. Kamara Usman versus George Masvidal part one is officially four to one. Officially. That, it was 5-0. Masvidal did not ever win a round, but the judges gave him the fifth round because it doesn't change the math. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to let you guys in on something here, right? So what do we do now? What do we do now? That, that changes everything. The fact that there's controversy on that fight, the fact that one official judge, not to mention the highest ranking, most respected judge of the evening, had it for Strickland. What do you do with that? Because in a, in a normal circumstance, you would give real consideration to rematching that. And we're not in a normal situation. We're in an abnormal situation where UFC 300 is coming up. And we've already seen the heat that Izzy and Duplessis can generate. We've already seen that heat. We've already seen the effectiveness. But Izzy wasn't there that night. Izzy got his court case cleared up so he could enter Canada and then didn't enter Canada. And the last time Duplessis and Adesanya came face-to-face -face before we faded to black and rolled the credits, it was so hot, it melted airwaves. But it also cost us a fight. It was something within that moment cost us the fight. So is that why Izzy wasn't there? Because that's the fight they're trying to make. Right now, behind the scenes, that's the fight they're trying to get done for 300. And I'm wondering, in light of what we know now, is that the right fight? Because don't, don't forget, we're, we're not going by rankings. And so we're going to pretend we're going by rankings. We're not going by achievement. We're going to pretend we're going by achievement. We're going by one thing, which is which fight is bigger. 
Which fight do you guys want to see more? I did a poll on my YouTube page, and I just asked you guys that. 13,000 of you weighed in. This was in like seven minutes. I love when you guys do that, by the way. Thank you for doing that for me. But 13,000, that is a massive focus group. I mean, I told you the relevance of the live audience over the weekend. That was 18,100. I, by now, have 18,100, but I'm going to speak to the 13,000 I've already seen with my eyes. It was over 21,000 21, right now. That's my producer and partner, Ryan. He's staring at the statistics page. Guys, it was 80%. Ryan, correct me if I'm way off on this. It was 80%. You guys wanted to see Strickland in a rematch. 62%. 62%, 62%. 62% of 21,000 people that weighed in want to see Strickland in a rematch. Now, understand that other 39% got split between Anasanya and Cosmic Jemaya. Those were the other options that I posted. They shared the other 39%. 61% of you want to see Strickland get the rematch. Hey, that matters. And don't forget, I want you to really hear what I'm telling you. Okay? A lot, a lot, a lot of times I got information that I can't give you. So much like I gotta watch these judges, you gotta know, know what you gotta know. You gotta look at me. You gotta learn my eyes. You got you gotta you gotta hear what I'm saying, but you gotta know what I'm not saying. So I'm going to walk you up to this line as close as I can. Right this second, Adesanya versus Duplessis for 300 is attempting to be made. As we speak, it's not yet made. And there's multiple factors, none of which trump the idea that Izzy, that's going to be a rush for him. That's just going to be a little bit of a rush for him. He's not going to be at training practice today. So to turn around by 300, it's going to be a rush, so it's not done. And what happens if a no comes back? If a no comes back, where do you go then? Do you even look to Duplessis? Maybe not. Maybe not. Doesn't have to be Duplessis. But if you do look to Duplessis, and based on what you guys said, I've been very candid to tell you it was 21,000 people. Didn't speak for the entire community. But I'm sharing, you guys are saying that it's Strickland. And I think it does have to do with the split decision, that it does have to do with people not agreeing with what they saw. I think it does have to do with a headbutt that possibly impacted the contest. So where we go? And supposedly this announcement's going to be made tomorrow. By the way, some announcement is going to be made as it pertains to 300 tomorrow. Is it going to be for this? Is it going to be for the main event? And if it is, what if Izzy doesn't come to the table? I mean, what if it is too fast? What if he says, man, I want Duplessis, but I just can't do it on that date? Do you say, no problem. Let's take Izzy and Duplessis. Let's move them to another show. Or do we keep Duplessis? Do we bring Strickland? I'm asking questions. I'm not answering them. They're being answered right now, so get your predictions in and tell me. 300, main event. Duplessis, Izzy, or bust? Or do we look at Duplessis versus Strickland for a rematch? UFC 300. Guys, this game's about to come to an end because we're about to have the card. In fact, there's, a, there's an announcement pending from Dana right now that has to do with 300 that will be to you within 24 hours. But what we don't know is that going to be the finalization of the card. Is it the main event? That's really all we need to know, right? We're, we're, there's never a time where we're going to need to know the entire card, including the day of UFC 300. We got to go with, know what the main event is. And Dana is getting ready to make an announcement. So I'm just sharing with you whatever guesses you have. I don't know if this is the final announcement. I, I don't know. But if it is, then we got to get your final guesses in. Now, only one thing has happened th th that was meaningful, okay? 
we know, or at least I know, and I'm comfortable telling you guys, Izzy versus Duplessis, that, those phone calls are happening right now. But that fight isn't done. And I don't know that it can be done. I mean, Dana's about to make an announcement that's going to hit and drop, and you guys will hear it within 24 hours. I don't know that that fight, which would be the headliner, I don't know if it's done, but I also don't know that it even could be done that quickly. When you get out of the cage, you have to go through processing, deprocessing, but you will go back before the commission. The same commission that you must see before this all begins, which is the weigh-in. You see them, and then you go get on the scale. That's the first thing you do is you go see the commission. Then you go to the scale, then you go to the fight, then you get done. But then everything goes in reverse. And the commission will automatically suspend you. It doesn't matter if your fight was one second and you're the one that won. It doesn't matter if you guys are coming across the ring and the guy's knee goes out and you don't ever touch each other. If you're ever in a fight, you get a seven-day suspension. 100% never miss. Most jurisdictions will take what I just said, except make it a 30-day suspension. Now, if you violate a suspension, your license status now goes into jeopardy. That has never been tested, and that has never been executed, but I'm just sharing with you, it is important to have some of that finer work done, and it would be very bad form for a promotion to make a match while an athlete is still in the suspension period. Duplessis' face was pretty busted up. And your eye is a very sensitive thing. To, to fracture something, just by example, in your eye, it's, it's, it's a little bit easier to do. I don't know how confident I am that they're going to turn that fight around and make that announcement, even though it's the one that they're after. I'm just not certain that they're going to do it that fast. I'm not certain they're going to send out bout agreements and have that done before... Duplessis gets signed off by a doctor, which can trump the suspension. The suspension is automatic, but if you have a note from a doctor, you can trump, you can end the suspension. I just want you guys to understand this. It's it's a very relevant point. If you're attempting to hedge your guesses and make your bets as to what the big announcement for 300 that Dana's getting ready to announce is, yes, it's true. Duplessis, Adesanya, that is being discussed. I'm not confident that's the one they're going to announce because I'm just not confident they can have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted from a perception standpoint this quickly. But there was a clue. I don't think of myself as somebody that wants credit. When I was growing up, my mother would tell me that it's very important that you do an act because it's the right thing to do or because it needs to be done. But if you only do an act to make yourself look good, For other people, you're not actually doing for somebody else. You're doing it for yourself to look in a certain way to get credit. If you have to have credit, she didn't like that. She thought that was a bad thing. I grew up thinking that was a bad thing. I grew up being very quiet, keeping my mouth, just handling things. I'd handle things in offices. I'd handle companies. I'd handle them in businesses that I worked with. I'd handle them in relationships, whatever it might be. I wouldn't want the credit because I grew up thinking, and I've changed my mind as I've gotten older. I've changed my mind. And I, I don't know if that's a character flaw. I don't know if that's an arrogance, I, but I will let you know that credit is now important to me, particularly if I'm the one that did something. I mean, not, not, not for nothing. They gave somebody else credit for something that I did. I'm okay with that. Give, give him his applause. But he, he should circle back to me and go, hey, man, I don't know how they got this wrong. I'm well aware that you did it. Right? It's, it means something. Two weeks ago, Conor McGregor, 21 days ago, it was on New Year's Day exactly. So three weeks ago, Conor McGregor puts out a pre-recorded piece. He's swirling this wine, drinking. Talks about he's going to fight Michael Chandler. International Fight Weekend, June 29th, T-Mobile Arena. 
And I got asked by ESPN to come on and discuss that fight. And I went on. I was like the skunk at the garden party. This was supposed to be this big celebration, right? Red Panty Night is real. Connor is still king. That is the box office draw. If he's coming back, that's a big deal. So, I mean, we got the balloons and the confetti and the fireworks going off in the background. I come in and I'm, I'm a complete dud. I say, guys, I'm, I'm not, I'm not co-signing that statement. I don't have that evidence yet. I call T-Mobile Arena. The UFC doesn't even have a book. They have it reserved. But that, that, that's a meaningfully, I put on a lot of events. That's a meaningfully different term, booked versus reserved. There's no on sale. International Fight Weekend, that's a massive fight weekend. You're bringing as a main event a non-title fight. That surprises me. And I said this live on the air. So not to mention, you got to look at the source. The source is Conor McGregor. Now, normally that's a pretty good principle. But that same source in Conor McGregor four days prior, while yelling over Mauro Ranallo, soccer guy, said he was boxing Manny Pacquiao in the Middle East. So I can't trust that source. And I told you guys what I think's happening. I think legitimately Connor's having a hard time getting this fight done. So Connor went back to an old parlor trick, which is to come out and make an announcement of a fight. Date, venue, everything. He was smart enough to know where they were going to be, what date they were going to be performing, and the fact that they didn't yet have a main event, which means he could insert himself. Michael Chandler that came right in behind it. Like, even though they're going to fight each other, they can't, They were partners in that, in trying to hustle and manufacture and bring it to exact. I got no problem with it. I love the whole thing. I just told you at the time, this is what I think is happening. I don't think they have the fight. I don't think that was a fight announcement. I think that Connor, where he's been telling us, man, I'm having a hard time earning a living. I'm having a hard time getting out there and doing my job. I think he's telling us the truth. I think he really wants to compete. I think Connor deserves credit for that. I'm saying this to praise Connor. And to praise Chandler that they would go to that move, to the Hail Mary, come out and tell the world they misinformation as a way of maneuvering, as a way of manipulating the system. I respected it. But I predicted it. And Dana said at the post fight press conference over the weekend, he said, Connor's not fighting in June. And that was all that he said. But for any of us that saw it and understood the context that led to Dana, saw the smile, the smirk, the body language, we came to the same conclusion, which is that Connor's going to be fighting at 300. So we're now left with one question. And the entire genesis of the seven minutes and 44 seconds you just gave me to this piece is to ask you a question. Is it against Chandler? I would certainly think so. I've always felt that the organization has been very sincere when they said it's Connor versus Chandler or it's Connor versus nobody. I've always felt that they were very sincere. And I certainly think that they owe that to Michael Chandler. It's just a, a very unique situation. Again, Dana did not say he's fighting at 300. He said he's not fighting in June. So we don't, we don't even know this is about 300. But if you bring Connor to the card, against Chandler. You have your biggest star. That's your main event, right? Done. That's your main event. If you put Connor as anything less than a main event, you just demoted your biggest star. Doesn't matter the, uh, the pop of the crowd or how many Irish load a jumbo jet and come over. It doesn't matter. If he doesn't close the night, he's not the biggest star. Or you're going to close the biggest show you've ever put on with a non-title fight. And those, that's a very hard juxtaposition. That's an extremely hard thing for me to get my head around. 
to the fact that I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think some level of the clues I just put on the table are true. The question is, are all of them? So will Connor be coming to 300? If you watch the press coverage, you're probably at least of that state of mind. Do I believe that Connor and Chandler fight in June? No, I know they're not fighting in June. Or at least I know those bout agreements aren't done and I know they've never been asked to fight in June. Things can change. But I'll, I'll share this with you. If Connor's coming to 300, if that's true, then it would be equally as likely that it's not against Chandler. And if the announcement gets made, and if it is Connor, and it is 300, and it is not Chandler, they always close out, always close out with the title fight. It'd be a, it'd be a very strange situation to see Connor versus Leon, or Connor versus anyone for a title. It'd be a very strange situation. As strange as that might be, as much as you want to dismiss that, and I do too, I don't think that's what's going to happen either, but as much as you want to dismiss that, I'm very confident in telling you McGregor's not going to fight in anything but a main event, and I'm more confident to tell you he's not main eventing 300. A title fight will main event 300. So how do you reconcile that? How do you bring all those pieces together? Stand by, because we're about to find out. Summer is coming up, and that might mean that you're going to have a little more time on your hands. Why not use it to learn a new language? Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program that truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, is here to help you. Some of you may be traveling abroad this summer, and you might want to experience that country beyond just the touristy type spots. Your experience could be upgraded just by learning the native language. Now you can download the Rosetta Stone app to your phone or tablet and learn on the go while driving, riding on the subway, running on a treadmill, or even laying poolside with just a 10-minute lesson per day. Rosetta Stone's lessons are designed for long-term retention of language skills rather than short-term memorization. The focus of the program is preparing you for real, authentic conversations, not just knowing a couple of translations. It's like having your own personal trainer for language learning. Rosetta Stone has been used by millions of people for over three decades. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started for a limited time. My listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off. Unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. That's a steal. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. 
I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round-tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to decovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What does Drinkus Duplissy do now? This is a really interesting story, and it's, and it's gonna it's gonna go by the wayside. Like when I'm watching Drinkus all week, I'm looking at a guy who could be a star. All week I'm watching him. I'm watching the embedded shows. I watch how he walks into a hotel, walks up and greets Strickland. Where the last time he was face-to-face with Strickland, he was getting elbow-dropped off the top of a chair after Gilbert Burns' kids shuffled to the left. The very next time he see, walks right up, he smiles, says hello. Brought his girl up. He knew there was no tension. He knew there was no heat. He saw the camera was there. He didn't know if Strickland's going to break bad on him and Bill. He doesn't know, but he still walked up. I mean, there's just, there was something interesting about it. The energy was perfect. 
The greeting was perfect. The conversation was perfect. I mean, I've watched Drikas put in some very difficult situations. And I've watched him come out of it smelling like a rose. I mean, if you go back and you watch the video of Sean Strickland, give him a moonsault. Adrikas is smiling. He's charismatic. He's handsome. He's not worked up at all. The only thing that he could have done to make that better was to then go take Sean Strickland's seats, which were two rows in front of him, and do a selfie on Instagram from there. That, that's the only thing that he could have done. Go back to the press conference where all of this stuff broke bad in the first place. If you went back and you looked at these two and their body language and the look in their eyes and the craziness versus the smile... You would come away thinking Drikas was the good guy. Drikas started that whole thing, and it was nasty. It was a nasty, terrible thing that Drikas said. But he came out of it smelling like roses, an interesting guy. He's, there's something to him. This is an undercard fighter 13 months ago. 13 months ago, this guy doesn't fight on TV. He is now the world champion who's being courted to main event the biggest mixed martial arts event of all time. He did that in 13 months. The A to Z on Duplessis is not a former Greco-Roman wrestler from South Africa that learned how to kickbox and got into some jujitsu classes. That's not the A to Z. 13 months ago, he was on the undercard. Nobody knew what a Drikas Duplessis was. Nobody knew. That's why they called him DDP. Not because DDP sounds cool. They didn't know how to say Drikas Duplessis 13 months ago. And he's now being offered a bout agreement that if he signs, will make him the last fighter to walk through the curtain on the biggest night in mixed martial arts history. That is a very fascinating thing. And the question is, what does he do now? How did we get here and what does he do now? And he did it all right in front of us. I mean, if you want to go study this and see what he did, he did it in front of all of us. And he went after a guy who wasn't even fighting. I mean, he, this all starts with Bo Nickel. Everything that upset Duplessis. Duplessis would have fought on the undercard on December 10th. He didn't care about that. He didn't care about his card placement. He cared that Bo was over him. He cared that Bo was debuting in the same weight class. Had never done this before. The new guy, the younger guy, is going to come in and take a higher spot. How does that work? And I don't, and this is the, this is the part. See, this is the part. That so many guys would have left off, but he didn't. I don't need you to take a chance from Bo. I'm not asking you to take something from Bo. Good for him. Just give me the same thing. Put me in there with Bo. That changed everything. That changed how you look and how you listen to this, particularly at that time. Nobody was asking to fight Bo Nickel. Nobody is asked to fight Bo Nickel now. But we had a guy right there on the same night, licensed and preparing for the same event to weigh in the day before, the same exact thing, saying, I'll fight him right now. Change the fight. And that changed the way people listened. Changed it greatly. And when I'm watching this guy that could be a star, it turns out that physically, from a fighting standpoint, he's a lot better than we thought he was. I mean, he told Sean Strickland what he was going to do to him. He told everybody, I'm going to come, I'm going to take him down. I would just tell you, that's a really, really hard thing to do. Kamara Usman fought Sean Strickland, and Kamara got him down, but it was really hard to do. Kamara's a national champion. He's one of the greatest grapplers ever in the sport. He had a really hard time. It's a big claim by Duplessis. Being a good South African Greco-Roman wrestler, 
versus being a national American folk style champion. They're, they're, these aren't even close. I'm, I'm comparing Duplessis and Kamar Usman's wrestling resume. They're not even close. He said he was going to go out and take him down, and then he did. I mean, I'm just sharing for you. He's better than we knew. He pushed the pace on Strickland. He went forward. There was a time when Sean, boom, Sean connected hard. I believe it was in the third round. And the real question was, okay, who is Duplessis? Like, plenty of guys are good athletes. Plenty of guys can go out there and touch you up. Not plenty of guys. Are they fighters? And very seldomly is the answer yes in both categories. It doesn't need to be. You can be tougher than everybody to become world champion, or you can be better than everybody and become world champion. It's very rare that you're both. Give me an example of both. Would be John Jones. Somebody that is physically is better, but also when the going gets tough, he's still going to be here. At any rate, boom, Strickland touches him. Duplass, you could see that he was, oh, he wanted to get those back. Came right up, 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 and they missed, but he was coming at it. But now we have our answer. We have our answer that we got a really good athlete that's also a fighter. And the question is, where does he go now? I mean, watching him and watching and seeing what he could do. Nobody, he's not the biggest star in the sport, guys, but he's right here. The biggest star in our sport has come down in the last 13 months. 13 months ago, Conor McGregor, who is the, is the sport's biggest star, Conor McGregor was the biggest star then. There's a big gap. Conor's come down. He's still the biggest star. But I just, I just want you to juxtapose that with Duplessis was way down here. And in 13 months, he rised. He rised a factor of tenfold. Well, the biggest star actually went down. So nobody, this is without exaggeration, has come as far in 13 months as Duplessis. If he does that again, he will surpass Red Panty Night. In the next 13 months, Duplessis makes up the ground that he did in these last 13 months. He becomes the sport's biggest star. So what does he do now? And I would never judge him immediately after a fight. I must critique him because it's all that I got. He's only spoken one time. It was right after a fight, right? I'm sure he was high. That adrenaline and that excitement, and these are things that I dreamed of. I got high plenty of times in the sport, and I never reached that. I can only imagine. So you wouldn't want to judge a guy, but I'm just telling you. Went to the post-fight press conference. The fight between him and Izzy is the hottest fight and the hottest feud our sport has ever seen. It only lasted 11 days. Those 11 days of that feud is hotter than anything anybody else has brought you. And Duplessis got asked about it, and he said it's not personal. He said it's not personal at all. And I wish he wanted of. I wish he wanted of. And I think he misspoke. It is personal. Of course it's personal. But I think he misspoke. It worries me that he did it. It worries me that he meant it. Because if he meant it, then he doesn't understand this game like I thought he did. If he meant it, then he's one of the few or one of the normal guys that think the punches and kicks are enough. Or he thinks the punches and kicks sell. And they don't. They don't. The story sells. Nothing else. Just the story. There's mixed martial arts fights all over the country this weekend. None of them got discussed, except the one that was on TV, and it got to TV because its story was better. Punches and kicks and the unified were nothing to do with it. And it worried me. When he said that my beef with Adesanya is not personal, it's never been personal, it will never be personal, it worried me. Was he just being nice because everything was great because he was high? I hope so. I hope so. But what Duplessis does now, if you're a star, you start calling shots. If you're not ready for that, if that's just not quite who you are, you'll get told what to do. And you can be a main event either way. 
You can be rich either way. You can be world champion either way. You can build a legacy either way. But there's a difference. And I'm not saying that Duplessis go behind the scenes and he starts being a jerk to Dana, points the gun on him, tells him what he's going to do. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he ca calculates and tactically figures out what Dana's going to ask him to do, but then he's the one that says it first. That's what I'm suggesting. That when then he's at a press conference and they bring up, who are you going to fight next? Is it going to be Izzy? Yeah, it might be Izzy, you know, whoever, whatever they want me to do. That's a very big difference in how Conor McGregor would have handled that. Connor would have guessed what they were going to ask him to do, and he would have said, here's what I'm going to do. And the other way to go, if you don't know to do that, is to dismiss whatever the idea is. If fight Izzy, I would never call him a fight the guy that lost to the guy that I just stomped. You have to be kidding me. I would never call him out. He can come chase me, call me out. Maybe we'll see him down the road. I'm not going to challenge a guy that lost to a guy that I just, what do you think, I'm a bully? That would be another way that a star would handle that. But it seemed like a toss-up. It seemed like whatever. It seemed like it doesn't matter. And again, I'm judging a guy who's at a very different time, but it's, it's all that I have. It's all that I have. And if he thinks that him versus Izzy, any of us want to see it, for any reason other than it's extremely personal, he's wrong. And he's not going to have the gates, and he's not going to have the box office, and he's not going to move the merchandise. He's not going to get the power in the video game, and he's not going to be eligible for the cover. All things that are currently on the table. If Duplessis does, in the next 13 months, what he just did, he is the sport's biggest star. If he takes the mantra that he did at the post-fight press conference of, I don't care, then he won't be. And the time to choose that and the time to decide where you are and who you are is right now. What do you do if you get screwed in a fight? I mean, what do you do? What is the PR? What's the 101 on this? You must understand one thing, right? I mean, the expression, never let him see you sweat. It could not be any truer than in that moment. Your stock can drop or your stock can stay the same. It's hard to rise. I will admit it's hard to rise, but you can, you can stop that fall. You can stop it right there and walk out with the same thing you walked in with. I'll give you a couple of great examples. Shogun. Shogun gets called out by Rampage after Rampage gets picked apart by John Jones. Now, Rampage versus Jones was a big fight. And Rampage was so good and so scared. Didn't, he, Rampage didn't care, right? He could get in there. He could bang with anybody. Like, that was a really meaningful match. I remember my own excitement for that fight. And Rampage gets beat. He said, man, that guy was better than I thought he was. And he moved on. He's still in the ring, guys. This is the post-fight speech in the ring. And he calls out Shogun. He even had a date. Talked about why he wanted Shogun, talked about their past, talked about pride, moved on to Shogun. By the time they got the post-fight press conference, all the questions to Rampage that would have been about this loss, this devastating loss, your life and your former title and this new guy, and you'll probably never get the chance again. All of these, they're done. They've moved on. They're asking about Shogun. So when the media cycle hit on Monday morning, everything you saw about Rampage was done in a positive fashion because people like call-outs and that was a really good call-out. Him and Shogun made a lot of sense. It was a match people wanted. It was just one of these directions. Another one is the night that Nick Diaz lost to Conor McGregor. Nick lost all five rounds. 
and Nick told Joe Rogan in the ring after the fight, I thought I won all five rounds. And I was in the building that night, and I will tell you, the way that I felt after he said those words was completely different than before he said them. And the eruption of the audience in a positive manner and almost an instant forgetting of what I just saw took place. It was fascinating. It was a very fascinating thing to be part of. But the moment one fight ends, the promotion for the next fight begins right then. So what do you do if you're the victim of a screw job decision? What is a screw job decision? How do we come to that conclusion? How did we get here in the first place? But if you have a crowd that thinks that you won and is going to respond by you acting that way, do you take it and use it? Or do you say, well, that's the way the sport goes. Win some, you lose some. And if you follow the model, the only thing you ever need to remember in that moment, which is one fight ends and the next fight's promotion begins. If you took it from that perspective, right? Now, let me give you another one. I don't want to kick somebody when they're down. I, I just, I, while I praised what Nick did and what Rampage did, let me just give you a different example. And a different example would be Sergey Pavlich. When Sergey Pavlich lost to Tom Aspinall to this moment in time, Sergey has said nothing to help his career. In fact, he had somebody post, I don't think it's Sergey. It, it feels very feminine. But somebody posted through Sergey's official social media accounts that he will be back. I want to say there's like a smiley face emoji, which made it even more Mr. Magoo feeling. And I will be back just doesn't, that doesn't do anything. If we say that now or later or at the press conference or just before the fight, like there's not that, that's nothing to do with a fight. So Sean Strickland took the high road. So it was a great fight. He congratulated the new champion. Said, man, that, that headbutt affected me. And blood was coming down his eye. Couldn't see so well. Said, on to the next one. He handled himself like a man. And he handled himself like a gentleman. There is no question about that. Sean Strickland stayed true as challenger, as champion, and now to contender. He stayed true to himself. And he should be very proud of himself. I am having a different conversation. I am having a marketing conversation on what should you do in that moment. And sometimes you got to turn to the facts. Like all judges are not created the same. You guys don't know this, but there is a hierarchy amongst judges. There is a scoring system and that's done at all levels. Olympic Games are coming up. You might see wrestling forms of combat. You might see wrestling. You might see taekwondo. Judo is contested. Boxing is contested. There is a scoring system from the, the previous quad to this quad. So over the last four years, for judges worldwide that elevate them and only the highest ranked, highest scores get asked to be the officials, the Olympic Games. I'm just letting you know within administration... There is a similar process, and I'm not going to go into explaining it to you, but there is a similar process. And rank number one is Saul D'Amato. Andy Foster of California has stated on the record numerous times that Saul D'Amato is the sport's greatest judge. 
And the sport's highest ranking and greatest judge said Sean Strickland won. I think that is a very helpful fact for Sean to use. I don't at all mind from a marketing standpoint the headbutt. I think reality is always a good thing. I just wish that he would have finished the thought. The biggest and most damage that I sustain that you can tell just by looking at me came from a maneuver that's illegal known as a headbutt. His face looks worse and I only used legal techniques. I think that's helpful. You're talking about bringing in Adesanya as the number one contender. How did we get there? Let them tell you. Because they have a great answer. He was a dominant champion and he got upset. That's a great answer. Sean Strickland was the champion and he just got upset. So now we're at a wash. The only difference is in head-to-head competition, I beat him five rounds to none. So you're going to bring in a guy who was champion and lost to come over the top of me. I was champion and lost, except I beat that guy five rounds to none. And I have the most experienced judge in our sport that says I won this fight too. I think that that's a very interesting argument. I think it frames it very differently. And the time is now. You will get lost in a shuffle very quick. I mean, just, just to explain for you, as quickly as they're attempting to usher Izzy in, Ian Gary went after Sean Strickland this morning. Ian Gary's got his obvious heat with Sean Strickland and understood, I can't move from 170, where I am a meaningful and undefeated contender, but I can't move there to 85 because I can't move into a world title fight. But now that you're not the world champion, in fact, you're coming off a loss and I'm still an undefeated contender. Now we can do the fight. This is Ian Gary talking. That's very compelling. That is wildly compelling. Now, generally in this sport, we do not cross weight classes. I can't think of a time in the history of the sport we've crossed weight classes just because it's the fight we wanted to see. We've done it for championships, but even that is very limited. So I don't predict for you that Ian Gary versus Sean Strickland is headed anywhere, but I will tell you that was an amazing call out by Gary. I respected it very much. I respected that he he wants straight went about the championship, knew that he couldn't get him, knew because of the rankings and the placement, saying you're coming off a loss, I'm coming off 15 wins. I'll come see you at your weight class. I loved it. I loved it. But if that controls the headlines for the next couple of days as they're trying to find out the next opponent for Drickus, it will be a loss. It will be a miss. We'll be going down a road that's going to lead nowhere. It's just one of those situations where Sean Strickland's argument is very compelling and it's very powerful. And he's not making it alone. Joe Rogan thought he won the fight. Dana White thought he won the fight. My partner Ryan thought he won the fight. Ryan, Dana, Joe, one thing in common. They didn't have commentary. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that affects me. I care about Sean very much. I did not think he won the fight. I'm just speaking fairly. thought he got outworked. I thought the volume and the pressure was against him. I have not seen him back up that much in his career. I mean, there's a number of things that I could point to that if they fought again, I think that he would change. I think that it would be different. I think that he learned some stuff in that contest. I think we all did. I think there is a disadvantage to Sean, an advantage to Duplessis, that Duplessis has had so few fights on television. Sean Strickland's a main event guy. Just as a casual fan, you're going to see Sean Strickland's fights. I just share for you that I, I think a rematch would be very interesting. I think that's a very easy story to tell. I think there's a lot of things on Strickland's side. And I don't think that he should get beat out 
just because Izzy's returning. I think the argument needs to be stronger with the one to bring that forward and get it to the market and get it to the jury that decides, which is you guys. The person to do that has to be Sean himself. The scripted promo. So, it appears that it would clearly be more helpful if you could tell each fighter what to say. I mean, it would appear that that would be very helpful. That was even tried to a very, very small extent. And I've gotten this story a couple of times. And I always confuse it if it was Paul Heyman or if it was Jim Ross. I believe it was Paul Heyman. But the UFC brought them in. And you guys will see before every walkout that goes onto the main card. This goes all the way back. All the way back to 1993. But before each walkout, there'll be a very quick promo. Where the guy's talking, the guy is just sitting there with whatever backdrop lighting and someone's spraying the spray bottle and maybe he does a little shadow box, but then he'll look at the camera and he'll say something. They'll do the same thing with the other guy. And the editing team's job is to get those two things that were said, those two somethings, to at least by the ear of the audience, to have them go together with one goal, which is to tell a story that the audience finds interesting to hook them and captivate them, to now watch this dispute that is about to have resolution in the people's proving ground, the octagon. That's what this is. This is the exact format and recipe that they would use in court. That's why court TV works. Here's this side and here's this side. Here's this argument and here's this argument. Now, we know the audience is going to like one of them. That's going to be the good guy. We know the audience is not going to like the other argument. That makes them the bad guy. But now we're also going to have a dispute resolution if you just stand by. So it is the number one thing that you're watching when you like mixed martial arts. If you tell somebody, I love mixed martial arts, and they were to ask you, what do you love about it? You were likely to say the punches and the kicks. You're likely to talk about the chess match. And the different realms of fight, you're likely to speak that way and think that you're intelligent. If you could look a little deeper within yourself and you could activate more of your subconscious, you would realize that you like dispute and dispute resolution. That's the only thing that we do here. The entire brand, everything that moves forward, and the reason you watch the promos and the face-offs, the competition itself. If there was draws, just by example, you guys fight for 10 minutes and it's a draw and we both go home, we now don't have resolution. It would change the sport completely. Just so you understand, it would change the trajectory, it would change your anticipation, it would change the way you look at it, it would change the stakes, it would change everything. There must be dispute and there must be resolution. If either one of those is missing, you don't have something big. You can't build a brand. And you say that your favorite sport is MMA. Okay, great. Well, it's going on this weekend down at the YMCA. A mile from your house. Do you have tickets? Bet you can buy tickets. No, I'm not going to go to that. Well, why not? You said you like MMA. Said it's your favorite. It's going on right there, and tickets are only 12 bucks. Because that's not what you like. 
It must have both. All the big fights. Never been a main event that doesn't happen. There's been plenty of fights where they get on undercards. You, you don't even know why we do undercard matches. We do undercard matches to make sure that the lights and the cameras are put in the right spot. Gives the production to a little time to get going before you go live to make sure that everything goes right. I mean, I'm just sharing for you, like, the ingredients that would go into those kinds of fights are not the ones I'm talking about. So, if you were to follow the history of professional wrestling, which didn't have a competition, it had manufactured and scripted resolution, it still did great because they understood the con they had to put more time into the conflict. For the really big matches, they put a whole month into conflict. The resolution, the match itself, was around 7 to 10 minutes. So understanding that, and understanding that when I get asked questions, and you, you get the athlete to give quips, and then you get the other guy to give quips, and you try to edit it together later, is difficult, takes a lot of work, and there's even some luck involved, unless you could script the promo. Unless you could tell this guy, this guy might not even know what it has to do with. He might not even know the context, but come on, say this line. Say this line and look at the camera when you say it. Now say this line, looking just off camera, but smile when you say it. Then you're going to edit it together and piece it. Okay, now look to your left, and you do that, but then an hour later, he has your opponent in there. He tells your opponent, now look to the right. Then when the editor puts on TV, they both are looking at each other, and then the music hits, and they walk to the ring. Like, obviously, it would be more helpful and easy if we could script the promo. So let's bring in one of the masters, and it was either Heyman or Ross, and they did, and they put him in a back room, and nobody even knew they were there, and they were consulting, they were working with the UFC, and the very first one that they were at, they did what they would do, which is one guy is the good guy and one guy is the bad guy. There's no story, okay? There's no Romeo and Juliet in the history of the world had a good guy and a bad guy. Well, in that case, they made BJ Penn the bad guy. And BJ did not, now BJ's a friend of mine, I'm not giving him a hard time. But I'm sharing with you, he did not like that. He did not like being the bad guy. He didn't care if it was best for business. He was not a businessman. And if you were dealing with me and it's going to draw, go ahead and do it and attach my name to it. That's very different and that, that's unique. And I don't say that to put myself over. You're not going to be like me either. It's the reason we don't have heels. We don't have heels because they can't take the booze. So BJ Penn delivers a line the director had told him to give professional wrestling consultant there in the room. And when it got edited and put together, the internet, you guys, didn't like it. And BJ came out and said, that wasn't even me. There was a pro wrestling consultant in the room. He asked me to say, the I read those lines. I had no idea. That wasn't even me speaking about something. I read the line. Whether that was Paul or that was Ross, they were fired instantly. They were never brought back. And that conversation was never even had. They didn't want anyone to know that they even went down the road of having a scripted promo. That story I just told you, you likely didn't even know. Now, it's out there and you can find it, but you likely didn't know it. I'm telling you, this was so, oh my God, please, I hope nobody asks about this. It was a death nail moment because if you bring in anything to do with professional wrestling, you're now challenging the credibility. And that's only happened one time in the history of the UFC. And it was the great, it was the great Sakuraba. But Sakuraba did a J-O-B on worldwide TV for another Japanese fighter, and then it comes out that they were both pro wrestlers. It looked fugazi, and it was fugazi. And that will stop this business in its tracks. I think that you guys would understand that. Every part that I said, where that would be a problem, also why you would want it if you could get away with it. 
Also, the fact that it's helpful in the storytelling. I think all of that makes perfect sense to all of you. But when you tell somebody what they can't say, it's only a two-sided coin. There's not a third door. There's not a fifth door. There's not 20 different things to talk about and consider. There's two. If you tell them what they can't say, the other side of that coin is you're now telling them what to say. And if you tell them what to say, you now have a scripted promo. You don't have something authentic. It's not real. It's now entertainment. It's wrestling. It's every song that's sung on the radio. It's every movie that's in the theater. It's great. It's every book you've ever read. It's great. It's fun. But it's not this. It's not real. It's not the news. It's not current. It's not authentic. If you tell somebody what they cannot say, you're telling them what to say, and you now have a scripted promo. Or you let that play out. Because there is built-in mechanisms that will deliver punishment. There are sponsors that say goodbye. There are viewers that say goodbye. There is crowds that boo and a guy that wants to be remembered and have his hard work recognized and will all get trumped by something silly that he could have said, whether he meant to say it or it was on accident. Those things live forever and the consequences are dire. It's not as though there are none. So if you would like to be entertained, if you would like a scripted promo, you'd like a really bad, rotten guy to come off and look really good. There's channels and there's avenues where you can do that very thing. But if you want to see what's real, if you want to see how a guy feels, if you want to see who a guy is, if you want to know about his previous experiences, if you want to know why this matters to him, if you still want one place that you can go, you can get the truth. That option still exists. If you tell them what not to say, you're telling them what to say. And it's now scripted. All right, guys, that's it for today's program. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to support the show, you can do it. All you got to do is leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or submit a rating on Spotify. And I promise you, I will read one of your great reviews on our next episode, which comes out on Friday. Until then, everybody, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.